Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. My name's Podcast Mike. This is our compilation series for Willosophy called Willosophies. It's a compilation of different themed episodes uh, that we've been putting out for the last few weeks. Hope you're enjoying them. Uh, today's theme is parenting. There's been a lot of parents on the show talking about their children, their experience being mothers and fathers. Uh, so we put together an episode themed around that topic. You'll hear from Jules Lund, radio presenter Joe Stanley, and first up, a uh, man who needs no introduction, Hamish Blake. Still a few more days to see Will live doing his work in progress shows at the Comedy Store in Sydney. Uh, head to willanderson.com for more details on that. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at willosophypod, P-O-D, uh, to help support the show. And if you like any of the chats that you hear on today's episode, be sure to go to tofop.com, T-O-F-O-P.com for the entire back catalogue of Willosophy. Uh, rate it, review it, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, but now over to Hamish Blake. I mean, I imagine if somebody's been bricklaying all day, they don't want to come home and have to knock up the barbecue at seven o'clock at night. You know, <laughs> yeah, there can true. be... But I suppose the great thing about what I've got with Zoe is, and this, this is not the headline because it surprises no one, she's not really like Andy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I can just shock you. Okay, well, there I, you go. I we got married, it, finally. I have married a female Andy. Uh, she's a very different... <laughs> Andy in a di- wig. Different world. It's, so, like, <laughs> it's like the Bugs Bunny honey, version of Andy. Me, talk a bit more about Carlton, would yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> so there's... You know, I, I mean, I do have a massively separate life to Ando, which, yeah, he's, you know, and he's got a massively separate life to me with his family and his friends. And especially having a wife and kids, yeah. it's like, you know, there's that, there is that, it's the, the age old adage, but there's just that massive divide between once you sort of have kids and you get sucked into that world. It was, was having kids something that you always thought that you would yeah. do? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I love being a dad. And I, I was, I was very keen to be a dad from, yeah, I never, never in my, I didn't have that moment where I was like, well, I was out of wild twenties, and I never thought I'd have kids. It just, yeah, it just it was, it was an inevitability for me. And I love it; it's the best. Yeah, what is it that you love about it? Well, I'm, and this might, this might, I mean, we, this could be the slow run up into the uh, what's your philosophy? Um, it's or ever the professional. He's like, <laughs> we should get to this philosophy thing at some stage. Guys, I just feel like just people, <laughs> we're losing people with all this anti chat. <laughs> They've tuned in for philosophy. Um, like, quite simply, I mean, I'm just trying to think of a way to put this, which doesn't sound like it's been said by, by every, you know, everyone else. But it can, you know, it's just for the first time properly in my life, especially coming out of a, a period in my 20s and the early 30s where I'm like, our lives are about the show, which is a little bit narcissistic. It's, you know, it was great fun to dedicate our lives to those adventures. But then something comes along that's truly not about you. And it's tr- like, and I mean this in not, this is not, this is going to sound a bit macabre, but uh, I've, I had this experience where as soon as Sonny was born and I was holding him, this is, so I've got a, he's almost four, Sonny, and then a little girl, Rudy. It really hit me. And I, maybe this happens to everyone, but maybe not. But it really, like in that, in the, like in the first few minutes of his life, I was holding him and I just suddenly went, oh my God, I'm going to die. Right. Like it just hit me. I was like, oh. I, I'm, I will die. I will die. Like I had a real sense of, but now it's your turn. Like now this is, now you're, 
I'm, I'm holding one of the newest human beings on the planet and they're the next generation. And I know Zoe had been pregnant for nine months. I would very much noticed it at home that she was not, she, her body was changing. So it's like, I knew we were having this baby, but I hadn't, that thought hadn't occurred to me that like, now you're a dad and then like, you're now not the newest generation. Like, that's it. You're, I was like, but I found I was quite, I was really at peace with that. And I was like, oh, great. Now all I've kind of got to do is make sure that I, give this little thing that I already am in love with the right tools to hopefully, can, you know, f- fix climate change and all the other issues we're leaving them. But yeah. I mean, it's a lot to, you know, put in the hands of one kid, but you're yeah. really... And I was trying to write this all on his yeah. card. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, like, anyway, but, but mostly I just want to say welcome and how are yeah. you? Hi, welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm your dad. Uh, I just realised that I'm not immortal. I'm having an existential uh, crisis. <laughs> neither is the planet. Uh, my mortality, about climate change. My mortality is crashing down on me and <laughs> so is the fact that even the planet is finite. Anyway, we'll get to that after you've gone through your pepper Pig and Wiggle stage. <laughs> but I, But... This is a roundabout way of answering the question, like, why do I love being a dad? Because it's, I love, uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, you spend a lot of time pouring a lot of work into yourself and into the show and stuff. And it's just, you know, if, if after that experience of doing that in our, in our, especially in our industry, like to now pour energy into a little person, it, feels, it just feels very worthwhile to me. And I, and it will only matter to them, I hope, if, if it does at all, but to spend a day for me on the mat or like this morning just playing bongos with my little girl, it just seems super worthwhile. My So I'm a little bit obsessed with the, I think different people, I've always had this belief, but now I've read a bit more, I, I come across it in other people's um, worlds where it's like called the 75-year-old test or whatever. But I'm a bit obsessed with the belief of going, if I was 80 and I could jump back to this moment, what would I give? You know, like how much would you give to just be, even if you think like, you know, oh, I'm a bit sick or I'm tired, you know, I'm 36 and my kids are babies. Like I know uh, you give everything. Like I just know you'd give all the money in the world to be back here for 10 minutes because, you know, we'll never get this chance to live this moment again. And I'm obsessed with that thought all the time with my kids and it makes every moment super valuable. Like, you know, you only have, there's that old adage of going, you don't have much, as much time as you think, and you're not you're not actually spending the time the way you think you're spending it. Like you probably think you're spending heaps of time with your friends and family, but you're probably spending a lot of time on Instagram and just watching shit at night on TV. And if you could tell your 80 year old self, oh yeah, you know, here's this here's this thing that's now worth to you like 10 million dollars for, for for 10 minutes back when you were 36, and and at the time when you were 36, you spent that thing just flicking through a Rebel Sports catalogue, bored, um, flicking bits of wheat bix off the kitchen counter. You'd be like, well, I feel like I squandered that a little bit. <laughs> so for me, it's about, it's about memory making. Like that, I, I really believe my core life philosophy is about trying to create the best, the best memories and the best inputs for, for the people around me and for, for my kids now. Okay. Well, that speaks to your philosophy. Is that your philosophy? Is that what you're saying? I is, reckon that you, if, yeah. if I had to drill down on it, like what do I really care about spending my time on in life? It would be trying to create, trying to make sure it's not squandered, trying to make sure I'm not that, I'm trying to make sure I'm not just flipping through life, waiting for something else to happen and that you can, that you can be, that you can be present with the people you like. Cause I kind of think that at the end of the day, that's, 
like what else really matters? Like you want to really be sure you're spending your time on the right stuff. It's interesting because this resonates with me about you because so much of even the entertainment that you have make, made has been about experiences. True, not, true, yeah. you know, it's not been necessarily about, you know, a lot of radio, including the radio show I do, is mostly, to be honest, about, you know, commenting on other people's experience. You're talking, you know, about to a footballer about what they're doing, whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of your entertainment over the journey has been about actually creating your own experiences and then, you know, making the entertainment out of that. So yeah, it is actually a very different approach in a lot of ways like you know the amount of people who i'm sure over the years have because of the success of you guys been told that they need to do some sort of hamish and andy style thing but it's not intrinsic to them it was intrinsic to you that we would always get that feedback sort of flying back to us going oh man you know we have to go and i don't know you like ride a tandem bike around the cbd for five hours because we were told that would get attention we're like well if you don't want to do it it will get the wrong attention (laughs) like we're not doing it because we're like man i hate this i just want to talk i really 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 just want to talk about chess but we have to go and ride the tandem bike like it just that that kind of yeah that kind of shits and giggles bubbled to the forefront of what Andy and I thought was funny just I, and I don't know where it came from but we both that just both kind of that floats our boat we were like let's do weird things I think we both really get off on inventing a weird world and then like creating rules for it right. <laughs> so that you can't disobey we're like you know like but is there a bigger um sort of philosophical you know thing about that which is this idea that we're living in a world that is only defined by the stupid rules we put in place anyway like i mean all of human existence is us trying to work out like none of us know what the rules are so instead what we do is we we make up these firm rules about these things where we go well someone just made up this rule at some stage and i'm sure we live thousands of them all the time that we don't even really think about like i mean i actually think you just coming along here today like why do we pick 60ks an hour as the speed limit like that has always struck me as a bit like i know it's i guess it works like people still die at 60 but like along the way we've gone oh but you know not too many so right but like we're all i guess we're all fine with that as the speed limit margin of error (laughs) but but like we were all just like well that's the rules that's 60 because i'm like Oh, you can drink some alcohol. And yeah, drive. we pick this number. Yeah, two or three drinks. But people, depending st- on who you are, people still die. Have yeah, a crack. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, people are dying all the time. It's an acceptable. Let's not get too worried about it. So, death came up, and your response to it was interesting to me because that I think death defines a lot of what you know, the rest of how you decide to live your life is defined by how you your attitude to death. And yep. a lot of the time you hear about p- people having kids and realizing their own mortality, but it comes with a heaviness and a darkness to it, which is that I now have a reason. Like, I think for me, I'll put it from my perspective rather yep, than yep. trying to put it in other people's worlds. I can die whenever and and life will go no, on mate, fine. Don't brag. I can juggle. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's my power play. You know what? I was like, well, you know, you. Oh, it's death, man. Yeah. He can die whenever. <laughs> Mate, you've got two kids and a wife. They'll give a shit if you die. I could die now. No one would care. Michael had finished the fucking interview with you. Yeah, it'd I mean, be his moment. Be, this is why he comes around every time. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be a brief 30 seconds of organ music that the listeners would hear while we cleaned up the body. But yeah, then we'd just finish the interview. <laughs> Welcome to Mike Ossifi. Well, I'll be uh, right back after this. We've had another host die. <laughs> But I know what you mean. You're uh, in the sense that you could die and there would be less. I mean, people would still less care. Less impact still got on friends the world. and family. Yeah, but they'd be fine. They've got other friends and other family. I've been making this claim for years, so they're ready yeah. for it. 
I'm not the last kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my brother and sister are both younger and healthier. Well, if I can speak on your parents' perspective, I'm sure they would still notice. <laughs> They'd notice, but... You're not the complete grey man. <laughs> like, yeah. People, but, the world, Australia would notice. But, but I, don't I also need... don't ring them often enough that they'd be like, well, that's Sunday night freed up for maths. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're... I suppose what you're saying is like the, the weird thing about the parent thing is, you know what I reckon terrifies parents, especially when your kids are young and, and Sonny's four, Rudy's eight months. Well, Sonny's just about to be four. No, I'm not sure when the podcast comes out. This could be on his birthday. Happy birthday, mate. Um, but what? <laughs> is he a listener? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, where's my present? Oh, no, I did yeah, a no. shout out on Will's podcast for you. <laughs> Happy fourth birthday. Um, so, do you know what I reckon it is? There, I'm ter- I am terrified of it. There's definitely fear involved. And there's a few different fears. I'm just scared. I'm scared because my biggest fear is that they would not understand how much I love them. Right. Right. And uh-huh. and and that would real. That's that's you know I you know it's really simple, but I just think ninety percent of a kid's diet has to be love. Like I just can't see a better way to spend my day than doing other actions or words with my kids. They're just like, hey, your dad loves you. I just think you're terrific. I want to hang out with you. I want to play Play-Doh with you. I want to hear what you think. I want to talk to you about your dad. I don't want to interrupt you. I want to give you space to talk and wander. And, I'll, you know, we went looking for a cat on the weekend for three hours. Cat Stevens, who was lost in the neighbor, like we saw posters up. And I was like, look, I know we're not going to find Cat Stevens, but like, <laughs> let's go on for an adventure. Let's have fun because I want you to remember. I want your... Pers- Unfortunately, Cat Stevens had changed his name to uh, <laughs> Yusuf Islam Cat. <laughs> But well, I like I want you. I want your memories of your childhood to be like your dad cares and yeah. he's here and he loves you. And but you know they're kids and they can't fathom that yet. And I reckon that's why parents are like, shit, don't die, don't die. So they have to get to a stage where right. kids are like, you can have an adult conversation with them and be like, hey, I literally only care about you, you, you doing, you being okay in life. So there's probably that little fear too. But once maybe that maybe that goes like once your kids hit an age where they'll be like, all right, dad, stop. I get it. You don't have to do this to me every night. You don't have to tell I understand you love me. And then maybe the fear subsides a little bit because you got a chance to to get it across to them. So in that regard, that's probably where the fear of parents comes from, where they're like, I don't want to die with, you know, I don't want the kids to. Do you have an earliest memory that you can identify? Do you I know? Can I remember being at my kinder, which I was at, which I was at like when I was three or four. But, I, but yeah, all the time I'm doing shit with Sonny. I'm taking him to trampoline world and he's two and a half. I'm like, you won't remember this. This is bullshit. Don't <laughs> spend 40 bucks to get us in here. There's no way you remember this. I can't remember this stuff. And I'm spending every day with you. This is outrageous. But you have to believe right. somewhere it's laying the foundation for... Po- just like you literally... you Yeah. As a dad, I reckon you just add a drip to that barrel... And it takes you years to fill up the barrel because every day you just get to put one drip in. And at the end of the, when the barrel's full, the kid goes, yeah, I, I'm, I vaguely remember having fun with you. That's all you get. But it's better than the opposite. It's amazing how much your parents inform you in ways that you don't understand. That's I like, hope. or that you only understand as an adult. You go, oh, that's where I get that from. Or when you meet other people who, like, the thing is, when you're a kid, you know, it's your entire experience. So it's not until you go out in the world and you hear about other people's same experience that you go, oh, okay, maybe I picked up a few more things. Yeah, than unfortunately, I I think, dad, I think dad has given me a heavily cynical streak where I can't watch a sporting team lose without thinking they're betting on themselves, which no. is my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not true, but I can't. It's the first thought that comes into my head because I've been conditioned by my dad. 
So yeah, I, and and that's that kind of comes back to a little bit of like my you know drilling down and like going, oh, what do I stand for? What do I actually care about day to day? I always try and force myself to make the tough in quotation marks decision of going like, all right, we could just sit on the, I could you could watch TV and sure the kids watch you know Sunny watches TV. Or, but if I've got, or if I'm like, but if I, but if I could just push myself a little harder here to think of something, to be creative, to do something fun, it's worth it. He's not going to remember it, but I just, for it just seems worthwhile. It's, it's, it's what I want to do. Like you can be exhausted, or we'll be like, you know what? Let's go looking for Cat Stevens. We'll take a bag of cat biscuits. We'll make an adventure out of it because I'm tired, <laughs> and I would, and maybe it would be more fun if you just watched Cars Three and I had a sleep and I. Tucks my finger in your tracksuit pants, so if you got off the couch, I could feel you. Which is my other, tri- <laughs> which is my other trick I do. But you know what? Let's go and try and find Cat Stevens because I just think it's worth the effort. I think, and and I just firmly believe, like to create for those for my kids, and I just know, you know, like everyone knows, tomorrow's not guaranteed. It probably is, but it's not guaranteed to anyone. So I'm. That's that's what comes down down to the eighty year old test to go. I I. I'm probably scared of being regretful that I've wasted moments. That's that's the other fear too. Like you're scared that you're going to get to 80 and be like, man, I remember just being at work all the time or I remember just being on my phone all the time. Like what was I doing? I had, babe, I had infant children that I could have been enjoying. And so that's, that's, a, that's a big part of kind of what, what plays in my head throughout the day. Hamish Blake there from our 2018 series that was earlier in the year. In fact, all of the guests uh, on this compilation episode featured on Willosophy in 2018. Tofop.com for the full chat with Hamish Blake and Will Anderson. Up next, comedian and radio presenter Jo Stanley, who talks about her experience as a mother. Over to Jo Stanley. It's one of those things um, in America when uh, you play stand-up clubs, uh, they introduce everybody with their credits. You know, you would have seen this guy on Conan and the Tonight Show and he blah, 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 this. And Australians, we have the complete opposite approach. The one that I like to quote is Peter Hellier, who used to start his show with the voiceover, uh, please turn off your mobile phones and lower your expectations. It's Peter (laughs) Hellier. But I was like, that's what we like, you know, yeah. lower your expectations and then we might, you know, slightly surpass them and that'd yeah. be a pleasant surprise um, rather than building it up too much. I think that's a really interesting point of view. Are you able to do that outside of work? Yeah, like, very much. I don't know why I turned into Luke McGregor then. You know, work. Work. Like, work. Work. Um, yeah, for sure. Like my house, absolute pigsty. My wardrobe, I almost never put anything away. It's all on the floor. I look like I've gone on the run, my wardrobe. I am happy if my daughter eats vegetables, say, three nights a week. Sometimes it's less. <laughs> I mean, you know, as long as we're, we're, she's not got scurvy, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but that's a good example, right? Like, <laughs> like you joke, but I think that that's something that at least – because I don't have kids of my own, mm. obviously, but having observed friends, mm. you often find that, you know, people, like, they come to this realisation of sometimes that'll do, whatever mm. will do will do, whatever mm. gets it done, gets it done. That's a perspective you get from having children because well, it's very easy to say, I'll feed my kids organic, you know, uh, vegan, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And then you're just like, you know what? He ate Dim Sims for three years. Yep. That's all he could eat, but he's alive <laughs> and he doesn't have scurvy, so yeah. that'll do. <laughs> I mean, well, parenting is one of those things where you see people torture themselves. And I think, I mean, is your kid in jail? Then you're okay. 
Yeah. Is your kid, you know, as I say, scurvy, is your kid beating other kids up? Then you're okay. Yeah, like there are so many, like is your kid a drug addict at 12? <laughs> no, right. then you're okay. Like I just, I don't know. I, I Having my daughter made a big difference to my perspective on the world because I was just, also she was in, in at the children's hospital a bit. She's had some, you know, issues. And you'd get in a lift with families that have kids that are, having cancer treatment or uh, you can tell are extremely ill and you just think, oh, my God, what the fuck am I worried about? Honestly. So so this child is addicted to the iPad and she never looks me in the eye (laughs) unless I put the – unless I hide the iPad. Um, You know, that's that's normal. That's life. How great. I mean, what you really should be doing is like recording messages for her – on your phone and then just sending them straight to the iPad. That's what you need to do. You I just need parent. to appear in between episodes of whatever she's watching on the iPad yes, yes. and just give some, like, you know, and by the way, here's some things you need to know. I should get it. I should make an avatar for myself and just appear. If I was really good at technology, there should be some kind of coding that you could do to do that. I mean, that's actually, in do you know thing. what? That's actually like probably a good app. It's probably a good idea for an app if someone was out there, some sort of thing where parents can sort of appear yes. in avatar form on their kid's iPad and sort of give instructions. Mm. But you know, but you idea. know, all the freaking parent militants will say, no, because just take the iPad off them. I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. I do can't you, be bothered having that fight with her some days. Do you feel that um, parenting is competitive? Like, is that something that – it's something that I hear. Again, I don't I have kids of my own. But is it – I think that's no, bullshit. I right, think you're only competitive with yourself. Again, lowest standards. Because really, no one fucking cares. They're too busy dealing with their own annoying children. Honestly, <laughs> no one cares. I – Largely don't like other people's children. Right. Right. There are a few in my life that are like my best friend's kids or my nephews and niece and, you know, those kids I like. But on the whole, your child is annoying to me, so I don't give a shit what you're doing. That's I'm, what I'm, I'm only worried about my own kids. Yeah. What, what has most surprised you about being a parent, I guess, is what I really want to know. What mm. was it about – what is it about being a parent that – you've gone, oh, this is a big part of it that I didn't realise was going to be part of it at all. Is there something that falls into that category? Well, this is going to sound crazy, but I didn't think I would love her as much. <laughs> I love that. So like, what do you So mean? even when I was pregnant, and I don't know whether that this is because of the kind of person I am or as I've mentioned earlier the sort of the way that I have loved or whatever I don't know um but I just didn't even when I was pregnant I didn't kind of connect with the concept of being as in love with that person as I ended up being and then when we had her she was very sick and it was sort of a few days before I really kind of understood even what was going on and then I just remember this moment like at maybe she was day five or six and just being just um, I couldn't believe how much I loved her. And every single day that you're a parent, you love that child more. And now what's crazy, like I've always thought when people say, oh, my kid's my best friend, I'm like, oh, my God, you sad fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But genuinely she's my best friend. I genuinely couldn't think of a person I would rather be sitting next to and she and I are so addicted to each other. We're like joined at the hip 
And every time I think about the fact that one day I'm going to say goodbye to her in an airport and she's going to backpack around the world and I honestly, I have been on the couch inconsolably crying at the thought of that. You know, Samantha Lane, <laughs> do you know Sam Lane, you yeah. know, the journalist? Yeah. And uh, she uh, sat where you're sitting uh, a week ago and talked about the fact that her dad is still her best friend. Oh, and uh, my brother uh, moved back to the farm and, you know, works... Yeah, side by side with my father every day on the farm. And mm. I'm not, I don't know if, you know, that they're best friends, <laughs> but they're like, you know, I mean, they have a very close friendship yes. that is something other than being... I mean, he's clearly the favourite son now. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I think that horse bolted <laughs> a very long time ago. And the reason that the horse bolted was that I left the gate open because I'm no good at being a farmer. That right. would be... In fact, the fact that we had a horse and I was trying to milk it... <laughs> When we are on a dairy farm was real. There was a whole range of issues. No idea. <laughs> Don't let Will in charge of anything anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, of our family, even though my parents are, could not, uh, couldn't ask for better parents. Mm. Certainly they have a closer relationship with, you know, my brother who is back there with his family and working on the farm and my sister who has four kids and they have a kind of very practical, you know, mum you know, helped a lot with the yeah. kids when it was growing up. So they have much more immediate and close relationships with my parents, which I'm like, isn't it's interesting because I admire and love the relationships that they have with mum and dad. Yeah. But I don't desire those relationships with my mother and father. Like I love my mum and dad, like, and honestly couldn't have asked for better parents. It's one of those things where the only thing I resent about them is as a comedian, didn't quite give me (laughs) enough pain to really, you know, win a couple more awards. But, uh, (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> just lock right. me in a cupboard once, mum. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but uh, but I don't desire the same relationship with them that my brother and sister do. And interestingly enough, for me, my parents don't seem to desire that <laughs> not, relationship they're not, they're not with on the me. Phone to you saying, when are you coming home? Right? Well, <laughs> you know that traditional thing of like yeah. you'd know, be like, I don't call them enough. Yeah, I think I call them about the amount they're happy for me to call. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all feel like we've, yeah. you know, every second birthday. You've worked it a- out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Arm's length. It works for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that your relationship, uh, provided you're both, you know, well-adjusted people, parent and child, it is as it's supposed to be. And and you, it's very instinctual, I guess, is what I mean, is that you are as you are intended to be. And Willow and I... Like she and Daz are really into each other, but Will and I kind of just um, we'll just sit and giggle next to each other. That's the other thing. I didn't expect it to be as fun as it is right. being a parent, and but that's a choice, you know. You could, and I've heard. Oh my god, I've heard mothers at playgrounds whinging about just the smallest things, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You're in the sunshine with your child. There's nothing to worry about here. But they're whinging about the fact that the kid, you know, didn't have its freaking breakfast or you know yeah so your kids spilt milk all over the floor who fucking cares don't cry over spilt milk Uh, but like it really doesn't matter and for me and maybe again it's because I'm so focused on in the moment and children teach you they are total mindfulness they don't have a future or past they don't get it they don't get time time is right now and so if you can really engage with that oh my god it's the greatest fun you'll ever have 
There's a broader, I mean, if you, uh, and I am not smart enough to know much about quantum physics, but. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't talk about quantum physics. Well. I, can't, I didn't even do maths or science. Or but there's this so. theory that like the way that we experience time is not how time is actually happening. That all time exists at once. Right. And we are only experiencing it in a linear fashion. Right. But everything is. So this is my link this between is quantum physics and. Believe. Do my, you believe in clairvoyance? Of course not, you <laughs> crazy, crazy person. But <laughs> that's how they're able to yeah. connect with people who've passed over, because um, that's what time is. Yeah. So, so speaking to that, yeah. As a teenage girl, you know the thing that you hear is like you know the person that you love the most, and I saw it with my sister and mum who are. I would say still probably best friends as, you know, yeah. like adults. Yeah, there's, there's a terrible period. There's a yes, period where you become yeah. a teenage girl and yeah. your mum who was your everything becomes, mm. yeah, the bane of your existence. Mm. Do you, you fear that? Is I that something that you... I do a little bit. and But I'm also really prepared for it in as much as I am so certain of my love for her that I don't hear anything with the agenda of, oh, she's hurt me or she's rejected me or to me it's not about like you know if you have a friend who starts being a complete pain in the ass then you're going to go well that's not a good friend to me anymore but whereas my child she's always going to be my child it doesn't change you know and I think um I don't hear it as a, a somehow an affront to me or somehow uh that it's insulting to me or disrespecting me I just think well that's her doing her thing obviously I, I you know I set boundaries I'm not without discipline you know I'm the person who who kind of keeps the house together if I'm away she eats nothing but McDonald's and they watch t- movies until 11 o'clock at night and Daz wonders why she's tired and cranky so I am that person and there'll probably come a time when I'm gonna have to say babe don't talk to me like that don't use that language don't have that tone all that kind of stuff and we might have fights but I kind of feel like Will my yeah my love for her won't change. At some stage, you're going to and maybe have already, but have a serious chat to her about. And I'm not going to get into sex because it's not that sort of podcast, but about <laughs> love. You know yeah. who, who she might choose to love yeah. in her life. And luckily, we live in a world where like the options for who that might be and the way that that might be accepted are a little bit more open as mm-hmm. well. But what will you say to her about? love and and you know the role of love and you know advice that you might give her about you know yeah whether she might want to find someone to share her life with you know are those things yeah. that you've thought about you know what you would say well we, I mean you talk about see the great thing about being a parent the best lessons you teach are just going about your day I I recall my greatest lesson I taught her as a child was we don't drink water that our bottom's been in Right, because and that doesn't sound like something you'd have to ever tell someone, but children like to drink the bath water. Yeah, and you know, I think it's a rule for life: we don't drink water that our bottom's been in. Will I mean? I think that's a pretty good rule. Yeah, I mean, some people. I mean, whatever you're into. (laughs) Look, as an adult, if you make that choice, I'm not around anymore. Some people probably pay very good money for that. (laughs) They might well. 
Uh, and and maybe you might fall in love with that person and, and <laughs> you are entitled to love whoever yeah. you want to love. And already, just as we're going about our days, we talk a lot about relationships and, you know, like uh, certainly around the um, same-sex marriage campaign, we spoke a lot about that then. Um, because it's important and always whenever I talk about it, when you grow up and you uh, you either have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, you might choose to do this. or And kids are really curious about their parents' relationships too. So she'll often ask, you know, when did you meet daddy and when did you fall in love with daddy? And um, I'm still waiting. No, um, that's unkind. <laughs> Sometimes it's not a joke. You shouldn't make a joke. Well. <laughs> no. I adore Daz. 20 years we've been together, um, which is impressive. It is. Uh, so, I don't know. You just sort of talk as you talk, as you're walking to school or whatever. And I just hope that she my, – my, my number one thing I want for her is that she's able to recognise when a relationship is unhealthy for her and she is strong enough to leave. And I'm not talking about necessarily abusive relationships, although, of course, that's really important. But just relationships where you might lose yourself a little bit or you don't speak up as much as you'd like to or that person has a bad temper or that person just doesn't bring out the best in you. You know, the, one of the things that Daz and I or, or I <laughs> aim for in our relationship is that we always try to be uh, – try to make their life easier. Because I'm there, I want Daz's life to be easier and I hope that he has the same for me. But – if you're with someone who's making your life harder, be strong enough to go, oh, this isn't right for me and leave. That's all I want for her. And yeah. that's not easy. That's not always easy. That's not easy. And it's it's interesting to me that sort of inside of like check, it, how's your relationship? Because I, how's your relationship, I think, I think has a broader, you know, I, I talk about this a bit like, you know, in regard, in regard to drinking or drugs mm. or those sort mm. of things. Like just, I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying just ask yourself, how's your relationship mm. with it? If your relationship with drinking is like, great, you know, it makes me feel a bit more relaxed mm. and I go out on a Friday night and have a great time with my friends and I'm really happy with my relationship with it, then great, fantastic. Mm. But just check in every now and again and make sure you're still having the same relationship. Yeah. You know, make sure that the nature of your relationship hasn't changed with that, you know. And I certainly have, you know, had to do that a bit in my own life at different times and go, I'm not sure that I'm doing this for the same reason that I was doing it for when I started. Exactly. I think that we become so apathetic in engaging with the act of living because life is busy, you're tired, you'd right. rather just, you know, And constant. Yeah, and constant. And you'd rather sit on the couch and watch a Netflix series or whatever than actually check in with, am I being present in this relationship? Am I being... Uh, good for that other person or is that person being good for me? Um, and that's not to say that relationships should always be happy. I mean, fuck, Daz and I have been together 20 years. We've been in couples counselling at least twice, maybe three times. Uh, and, you know, there have been times when it's been really bad and we've stuck with each other because of whatever sort of deep-seated knowledge that we know there's a reason for us to be together. So life is not easy in a relationship. I'm not suggesting it should be a fairy tale. But you, you also have to know when the struggle is enough now and it's actually not healthy for me. Uh, we need to finish up soon, but uh, yes. I have, still have some other questions that I want to ask you. Uh, so basically, uh, well, they all kind of come from one question, which is what do you reckon happens when we die? Oh, Jesus. 
So You've really I'm not just left out. I'm not asking on, you I'm for looking at my list of things that I brought. <laughs> I've got bottom water away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through it. What, what's the rest of your checklist? Tell me what uh, else I've got was on there. I've standard. Okay, I have a 90-minute oh, rule for movies. Oh, hang on. So tell me that one. Unless the film is really good, at 90 minutes I walk out. Regardless. <laughs> Regardless. Because so, so you I'm watched, talking about... You, you watched The Sixth Sense and you don't understand what was going on. No, You're like, I oh, would have stayed Bruce for Willis that because that was a good film. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good point. But like, um, I'm talking your wedding crashes kind of yeah, sure. film, right? Because I don't think any film should be longer than 90 minutes. How long, is, we, how long have we gone on this podcast, Michael? Woo, 80, all right. Okay. We, have to, we, got 10, we got 10 minutes to cover just, death and, before and, we go. And I think that all films turn shit at 90 minutes. Okay. And I've never once been wrong. Well, let's, I sat there going, this is quite good. Like freaking, was it Daddy's Home too? Wasn't bad. And then it turned <laughs> so shit at 90 minutes. And I was like, should have left. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's a good point that Daddy's Home 2 should have come in in 90 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Why? Why? It's because they never know how to finish it. That's yeah. why it turns shit. What else have I got? Uh, laundry is foreplay. Hang on, what? Right? <laughs> folding, folding the laundry is foreplay. Why? Well, because men say, right? Men say they don't get enough sex. Uh-huh. Okay. Do they? Or just at your house? This is what... <laughs> Well, perhaps it's just in my house. But I think all men think they don't get enough sex in long-term relationships. And women would say, well, they don't get enough help around the house. Yeah. Okay. So my theory is if you, as a guy, did more around the house, I would have to do less and we'd have more time together. And actual fact, if I saw him folding the laundry, to me that's foreplay. To me that going, okay, now you're making an effort. I get that. Now I'm seeing you a little bit more favourably. I, do, I, do, I don't disagree with what you said, obviously, but I, um, I think that it speaks to something a little bit like what we were talking about before as well, because I think that sort of cliche uh, of that, you know, men always want sex and, and women don't is as harmful to I agree. women in a way as well, because often what you find is that we're so confused about who we're meant to be. If you're mm. a man who isn't like constantly going, yes. you know, I, this is what you hear in society is that men are always bothering their and women, mm. you know, once they're in a relationship don't want to have mm. sex and I don't think that those things are necessarily true. I do we, agree. Yeah. I agree with you and that is a very dangerous stereotype. You're right. For men and women. Women feeling, you know, well, you know, slut shamed because we like sex. Absolutely. That's that's true. I'm speaking anecdotally, yeah. not just from my experience, but all of my friends. Yeah. It's like do some find, fucking laundry, yeah, assholes. <laughs> Don't sit on the couch like a slob and think I'm going, oh, he's yeah. hot. Right. <laughs> I don't think so. That footballer, I'm to tell you, he's hot, yeah. but I don't ask him to do my laundry. <laughs> no, I can just imagine that he's <laughs> yeah. folding some socks right yeah, now. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, death. I want death. to talk to you about death because I think it speaks to everything else, which yes. is, so what do you reckon happens? Do you have a fear of it? Do you think about it? Is it present in your life in any way? I well, mean, I imagine like... And again, I'm asking the question, but I mean, it was present in your life at a very early Mm. point in your life. Mm. And has it, have you felt like it's been a constant present in your life or are you a person who doesn't really think about death in a sort of, you know, looming sort of way? What, how do you feel? What, what's your thought? Uh, I think about and fear death every minute of every day Okay, to the point where I, First went to therapy oh, 16, 17 years ago 
to try and silence that and years later haven't been able to and really the mindfulness I think is sort of the only thing that has uh, rest, allowed me respite from that because um, it is, it's crazy, it's, it's not, that's not normal. But um, oh, but I don't think it's un. It, it I don't might think it's not abnormal. Be normal. Yeah, exactly right. But I don't think it's also. I mean, the fear of death, particularly linked to people who have anxiety, mm. are often you know combined together. That you know, yeah. that one of the things that can come with anxiety is that fear that you know that of the ultimate you know thing that and you could be not, anxious it's about. It's not. I, I think I'm trying. I'm try I have trouble remembering life before Willow, so it's sort of a bit weird. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you have a weird memory because of breakfast radio, but my memory's completely shot. So things kind of come and go in weird ways for me. But and since having Willow, I don't remember what I was like before her so much. But um, since having her, the fear is more about separation from her, and the moment I'll have to say goodbye to her, which uh, I can't engage with right now because I'll be a mess. But I, I so but. It's it's not normal, but I don't think it's abnormal. Um, and mindfulness really is sort of. I, I I guess I just feel like I just am. Fo- I focus on gratitude for this moment and how incredible this gift is. And and then, whatever happens, again time unfolds as it needs to. And I'll, I I trust that it'll be okay. Joe Stanley there from earlier in 2018. Hey, it's Podcast Mike. This is our Willosophies compilation series and go to tofop.com for the full chat with Will and Joe Stanley wrapping us up today on the theme of parenting. It's radio and TV presenter Jules Lund. He now runs a company called Tribe, which helps pair up uh, brands and social media influencers. But he talks a bit in his episode about his experience of fatherhood. Enjoy this chat with Jules and Will. Hello, guest. Who are you? This is what I normally ask. Who are you? I'm Jules Lund. I'm a father of two beautiful girls and a husband of Anna, my wife, and my partner of nearly 18, 19 years. I mean, that's a pretty decent run. Uh, how long of that were you... Uh, In how love. Long been... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> About three. <laughs> and they were the first three. <laughs> yeah. How many years have you been staying together for the kids? No... <laughs> I loved Husey. I remember Husey on stage once said to someone, how long you guys been together? They go, four years. And he goes, how much longer? Yeah, how long, how long to go? <laughs> yeah, how long to go? It's such a good question. I but um, No, uh, how long were you together before? Uh, you're married, right? Yeah. Uh, so when did you get married? How far into the 18 years oh, did you get married? It was getting pretty hot towards the end of that. Um, so um, I think we've been married for nine years. And so we were together for about eight or nine. And so before, before we got married, um, we met in Spain um, in a backpackers when I was backpacking by myself as a 20-year-old and she was 19. And then as it turned out, we had mutual friends home here and we, didn't, we weren't even really attracted to each other. I think we were both kissing other people. Uh, and, um, and when I say kissing, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> fucking backpack is like it was, like I'm talking. I'm on a top bunk. She's in a laundry. You know, right. like it was, it was, it was feral, and so we weren't even attracted to each other. But then I was traveling through the Swiss Alps, and um, 
and she was traveling with a friend and then I was going to Paris and she said, oh, look, I'll come with you. My friend wants to see the Salvador Dali exhibition here. And so we sort of traveled for a week, didn't even cross our minds that we we could be compatible. And then it was only about six weeks later that we walked into the same party. And I was like, what was I thinking? That girl is phenomenal. And we were together that night and then, yeah, we've pretty much been together since. So she was the first girlfriend I've ever had. So that is an interesting thing to me because uh, I haven't had a, a, a big string of relationships either. In fact, the you know the person in my life is you know realistically is my first girlfriend. So uh, no, the interesting thing to me is that you're learning how to be in a relationship with somebody, which being in a relationship is hard enough by itself. But you're going into it without any previous experience. Yeah. Was that? A challenge along the way? Um, do you know what the biggest challenge I think of my relationship is? Is still today. Like we've been... Like I look at... So I've got friends in their 30s, 40s and, and they will be um, looking for a lifelong partner now. So they'll be single looking for someone and then they will say, you know, they'll be looking at this person they'll go, God, you know, I'm not sure if we're compatible and, you know, I've got to work so hard. <laughs> and I just think that's tough because I have grown with my wife like over 18 years like every step she's taken I've taken like we are as aligned as you can imagine and it is still fucking hard being a unit like it is we we've been together longer than we've almost been apart right you know like before that and yet I still go this takes to be a unit and have harmony and get the good riches out of it and not get my own head up my ass and and take her for granted it takes a lot of effort, and so, you know, I say that, I say that to people like it's it is, it is you it's, it's a it's a sacrifice like daily like it doesn't just come easy. Were you a person who always thought that you were going to have kids? Uh, you know, did you have a certain approach to being a parent? Like, you know, how is how, how is that? What sort of you know, I don't mean what sort of parent are you, but hmm. I like the idea of you know what it's what you've learned from yeah. it, what your hopes are from it, how much energy you put into it. Yeah, you know. Look, the, the I, I always can I be really honest. I always am not. That's what the podcast is about. Well, I never know. I, I always feel like I'm to people that don't have kids. I always feel um, how 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 much do I celebrate it? Because you know, like I, it's like it feels to me like it's boasting. Because honestly. The joy that I get is just incomparable. And I, I just, it's such an amazing thing that I, that I, <laughs> it's, it's so easy. You know, I work so hard for a sense of pride or satisfaction or a, a feeling of fulfilling, you know, being fulfilled. And yet you just grab your kid and put them close to your chest and it's fucking there. Like it's the biggest cheat ever. Like it is just the most incredible soul food. Um, so I I knew that would be there and it is there more than I thought and yet I still have my head up my ass going after other things. You know, I just, that's, and I have an enormous amount of guilt around that. Like I, I reckon if there was one bit of tension in all the pieces in my life, it's just that that guilt. And I actually don't think I'm, I think my kids would say and my wife would say, don't worry, you're being a really present father. I actually think the tension is that I'm missing out. Right. 
Like I've spent three weeks away. Kids have been fine. They've got, you know, exposure. You know, I'm spending time with them. I missed out on those three weeks with my kids. And it just feels so counterproductive. Um, so I, I actually have trouble with that at the moment because what's the fucking point? Like I don't really, I mean, I could sell up some of my property and I'd be done, you know, like I wouldn't have mortgages and I'd be all right. So what the fuck am I doing? I just, that's when you ask, what's your philosophy? That's confusion. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> because you just get led, you know, like the, 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 you know, thousands of emails. It's just a bizarre world. What, I just, that's, I, I'm lost there. It's interesting though, because I mean, I imagine that part of, uh, you know, being a parent, like, you know, you kind of could do that thing of going, I could just sell up everything. I could be a full-time, yeah, I could just be there all the time. I'll just hang out with my kids all the time. Mm. But maybe there would be an argument made that that wouldn't be giving them the example that they need in their life about, yeah. you know, the endless possibilities of what they could do and work hard to do and achieve yeah. or, you know, dream about as well. I mean, you know, part of you know, going away and doing things is to show them that if they choose to be the sort of person who goes away and does things, yeah. that that's a thing that they can do, you know. Like, I mean, I guess you never know what the magic ingredients are when mm. you, mm. like, you know, I mean, my, my dad's a dairy farmer who lives on the road he was born on. And my brother is a dairy farmer on that farm and I do what I do. We were mm. both raised the same way, 18 months apart, you know. Yeah. Like you never know what the magic ingredient is that, you know, uh, sends them one way or the other. What uh, has been the hardest thing about being a parent for you? Do you know, it, I thought this was going to be the hardest. It, it, it might be a better answer. I, I thought the hardest thing about being a parent, and I may be still yet to uh, uh, experience it, I thought I'd micromanage the hell out of them. Like I thought I'd treat them like a project. Do you know what I mean? Like control their, you know, and maybe maybe I'll be tested when they're in school and they're slacking off. Right. And then I'm like, you can be better. And, you know, like, I, but I... Up until this point, maybe it, I'm just in a false sense of security and it's just like, oh, be kids. You know, you want to play basketball, play basketball. You want to do guitar, you do guitar. You just go wherever you want. Don't worry about your passions. But it, it probably not until I see them pissing it up against the wall. That'll probably be my hardest moment where I'll go, it's not about you. They're not a reflection of you. Because, you know, so many parents, you know, that's why they struggle with their kids. And also they don't want them to miss out on the good things in life. But they've got to go through all that shit. Like you say with the, the, the protégés in comedy, it's like you can't protect them. So, you know, the, the, it's the actual, the missing out that is the drive for the next um, phase of their life. So I, I think I'm worried. I, I haven't been that yet. I thought I'd be that earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, I hope I'm, I'm able to accept them for who they are no matter what and just be a loving um, father, but also a good leader that empowers them, but doesn't try to control them. And I, I gotta say, having employees is probably the best um, training for that because you just can't. You're not in charge. Uh, we're living in a world now which is obviously, you know, changing. Hopefully, much more for the better for you know young women growing up, yeah. you know, in this world and the the opportunities and possibilities and hopefully safety and mm. all those things that. Um, you know, haven't been guaranteed in the past. You yeah. know, hopefully we're becoming a better world. Do you feel hopeful in that regard yeah. from what you see? You feel like this is a, 
you know, I mean, if you're a young woman coming into this world, that this would be a positive world for you to be coming into? Yeah. I mean, I said that to the girls. We Saturday morning, like I flew in late Friday night and we were driving to swim classes and I said, do you know what generation we were in? Um, and I was teaching them about generations and I said, you know, a few generations ago, like, you know, your, your, um, your grandparents, um, their generation, it wasn't, it wasn't equal for men and women and you know our generation hasn't been equal and your generation it will be equal you're finally walking into uh an environment by the time that you arrive to when it's important it'll be on par and that's really exciting for you guys to be able to you know spread your wings and so we had a big discussion about that and you know then on sunday i said you know i asked them the same question and then they were able to relay it back and then I marked them um, seven out of ten and said, <laughs> "You can do better." But it's not something. Does it, does being a parent change the way that you think about death? Because of course, you know, we all miss out on Jim, but also his family. Yeah, you know, misses out on him more than yeah. He was a public figure, and sometimes yeah, with public yeah. figures, we all feel the loss yeah. in various ways. You were a friend of his. His family, you know, lose a loved one. Like, yeah. do you when you become a parent, does that change the way that you think about death or? Or not? It doesn't. It hasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still, I'm still an idiot, uh, and I'd still do death-defying things like jumping out of planes, or like I'd never stop and go, "You're a parent now, don't do that." Um, uh, oh, look, I get, I, you get terrified of the thought of my kids passing. Like mm-hmm. that's just, that's a frightening, frightening at your core, you know. And and it's happened to friends of ours. It's really. It's really that's a that's a real terror, but you can't do much about that, unfortunately. You know, you can only do your best. Thanks again to Jules Lund and all the guests that were featured on this week's episode: Hamish Blake and Joe Stanley. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to these Willosophy compilation series. We'd love to hear your feedback, uh, rate and review the podcast if you can. Tweet us uh, any feedback or any thoughts you may have on anything that any of the guests have said today. If you like any of the chats or want to hear any episode of Willosophy in full, just go to tofop.com. That's T-O-F-O-P.com. Again, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at WillosophyPod. That's P-O-D. Um, and special thanks to Mike Hal over in America who, who trolls through the back catalogue of all these episodes and cuts together uh, these little bits and pieces as well as James Fosdyke, who does all the fantastic artwork you see on this podcast. And of course, to Will for doing the podcast. Uh, if you want to support Willosophy or any of the Tofop shows, you can go to patreon.com slash Tofop. Pledge a dollar, maybe two dollars. It really helps keep the show running and we'd really appreciate it. So thank you so much for listening.